Good morning, church family. Come on and worship with us this morning. We love you, Lord. We're here to exalt your name, God. There's no one like you, Lord. We magnify you. You have come and we have found life everlasting. Now alive to know your freedom. Never Somebody's going to come through the doors and put us in jail. There's a lot of Christian brothers around and sisters around the world that don't have this freedom. So we need to thank God for that. But also, we need to be reminded, friends, I don't know what you've been through this week. I don't know the challenges you face. But listen, Jesus is alive. Friends, he is alive. And he can take you wherever you're at and 
you alive too. He is a good and faithful God. Yes, he is. Yeah. He is. Well, you guys look amazing today. Good morning. Good morning. You can be seated for just a moment, then we'll go back into worship here shortly. It's great to see you today want to say hello to those who are joining with us on our online campus if you could give it up for them yeah come on yes. welcome yes. and if today is your first day here we want to say welcome to Dothan first and also if you would do us a favor today if this is your first time there is a connection card um, in the seat pocket in front of you if you'll grab that fill it out for us and then after the service Mark and I and some of our leaders will be out there in the lobby at the high top tables and we'll give you a gift in exchange for your connection card just for hanging out with us. Yeah, and we want to let all of you know how delighted we are that you chose to worship God with us here today. Listen, I know you can be anywhere right now, uh, but you chose to worship the Lord with us here and we're so thankful that you did that. And uh, we just hope and pray that you feel uplifted throughout this service. And for those watching online, we're so grateful that you chose to worship God with us today online. And uh, pray that this is an encouragement to you as well. If you'll do us a favor, if you're tech savvy, if you take your smartphone and uh, you can use the QR code on the screen or text D1TEXT to the number 84576. And then you can have that electronic version of our Connect card. And of course, you can get connected to us through prayer, through testimonies of the good things that God's doing. Let us know if you want to be baptized or dedicate a child to the Lord. And specifically, sign up for Grow Track where you can get involved. You can invest your life in the things of God here at Dothan First and to bless others through ministry. Listen, God has a plan and a purpose for your life and we wanna help you to define what that plan is and help you fulfill it. And we'd be so honored to be able to partner with you through our Grow Track. Well, listen, before we go any further today, listen, it's offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many grateful God blessed you? Amen. And as we prepare to pray, over this time of giving. You can see the five ways to give on the screen and uh, we'll worship on the way out. If you've come prepared to give with a check or cash, you can use the giving envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. And then the giving boxes are right there placed at the doors. You can worship on the way out with your giving. But today as we worship the King of Kings through our giving, I wanna remind you to be in prayer this week because We have like 75 students that are going to be going to camp from our youth ministry. Yeah, come on, give it up for all our young people. So grateful to God that we're going to be doing this. And listen, a lot of these young people, listen, they, for some of them, they need a healing touch in their life, in their body, in their relationships, maybe even with their parents or their friends. Some of them, we know they need a touch from God to, to, truly be saved to know what that salvation experience is others that may have been walking on the fence right with some of their uh, relationships or some of their issues in life and God's going to help to reveal the truth of his word through this camp experience I can tell you beyond that there are young people that maybe for the first time baptized in the Holy Spirit or for the first time feel that sense of the calling on their life toward their mission or toward their ministry. Who knows what God can do? But with our prayer support, 
I believe God's going to do powerful things. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray over them and our time of giving. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, first of all, we lift up the students of this house. We thank you, God, for the, the resource you've given us in them. God, we thank you that they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And we speak life over them. So many that are going to camp, we pray uh, blessing over them. We pray strategic blessing overtake them. God, that they can hear clearly the voice of God for their own lives and be able to follow whatever your will is for their calling. God, I thank you for their divine destiny. And we speak life over them as they go to camp. Would you keep them protected on the way there and on the way back and while they're there, that you would show up, Holy Spirit, and do powerful things in their life. Now we pray over the time of giving, that, Lord, we speak blessing over the gift and the giver, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Thank you for your divine strategy in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. 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 God bless you as you give. And uh, ushers, if you'd help us at this time, we're going to worship God with the, 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 the emblems that many of you received on the way in today. And if you do us a favor, uh, our ushers are coming at this time. And if you did not receive some of those, uh, those emblems, specifically the, the, what we call the juice and the bread, but it's a representation of the, blo the blood and body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Michelle, if you don't mind bringing me one of those, thank you so much. We're going to take a moment and participate in communion. And today as we do this, I want it to be a reminder. And the, as the ushers are going forward, you just kind of wave at them and they'll make sure to get those into your hands. But I want us to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible says that we ought to remember him, not just for his resurrection, but for his death. Friends, listen, that sacrifice for us is what paid for our sins. And so today, we're going to take part in this. But before we do, there may be some of you in this room, you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior of my life. And if you came in here maybe struggling with a, a, a besetting sin, an issue that just keeps recurring in your life, friend, you need to be saved and redeemed. You need to, uh, the, whatever you've been enslaved by, you need to be released from. And I'm believing for freedom in this house today. Maybe you're walking in a willful disobedience to the biblical mandates. Maybe you've fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says all of us have done. Or maybe today you've never known the truth about Jesus' love, that he came and died for you and rescued you so that you could be saved eternally. And that if you were to die tonight, you could go to heaven to be with him eternally, with God forever. This life is fleeting, and we don't know how many days we have on this earth, but we do know that we can live eternally after this life, either with God in heaven or apart from God in hell based on our decisions. So today, before we even partake of this communion, I want us to take a moment and just pray and ask the Lord 
to come into our lives. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? If there's anyone in this room, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you'd say, Mark, I want to be included in this prayer right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. I, I simply want to invite you into relationship with the only one who can set you free. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you simply slip up your hand and by raising that hand, acknowledging, Mark, include me in this prayer right now. At, at, right now. If that's you, just lift it up. Yeah, God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. Yes, God bless you over here yes in the balcony on the main floor yeah god bless you yes anybody else that's you today man you don't have to wait to the end of this service you can have things right between you and god right now if that's you come on lift it up if that's you yeah god bless you friends god's doing something already he wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to make you brand new. He wants you to know you don't have to wait any longer. He would stop this whole service just to invite you into relationship with him. If that's you, come on, slip up your hand. Anybody else? Yeah. God bless you. That's you today. God bless you. Let's take a moment and pray, and I'm going to invite all of you into this prayer right now, but especially you who lifted your hands. Can we say this out loud? I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me, but I don't want you to just say it. I want you to say it like you mean it. And for those watching online, you can do the very same thing. You can invite Jesus Christ into your life right now. He'll forgive all of your sins and make you brand new. Can we pray this prayer together? All of us in this room and online, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Give me a fresh start. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're God the Son. You came to this earth. You lived a sinless life. You died on the cross for my sins. Then you rose again on the third day to give me new life. I receive that new life today. Wipe away the past. And from this day forward, I choose to trust you with every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now, as we prepare to receive these elements, really the only qualification is not that you be a member of this church, but you be a member of the family of God. So when you said yes to Jesus, you're a, a family member. Friend, you're a brother and a sister to me in Christ. If you call him father and I call him father, that makes us brothers and sisters. So today we partner together. Let's take off the, pull the tab back of the bread today. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Take this and as you do, he said, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's receive this bread by faith. after he took the bread he took the cup he lifted it he said this is my blood which is the picture of the redemption for your sins and then he said as you take this do it in remembrance of me would you pull back the tab on the juice and let's receive this by faith thank you Jesus now would you stand with me 
And would you just lift your hands up toward the Lord and surrender to Him and begin to thank Him for who He is and what He's done in your life. Lord, we thank You. We honor You. We adore You. We worship You, King Jesus. Thank You, God. Thank You for what You've done. Thank You for who You are, Lord Jesus. I'm going to invite your elders to go to the three stations of prayer today. And if you have a prayer for any need, Jesus is here to take your need and to heal you, to restore you, to cleanse you, to free you, to make you brand new. They'll be stationed by this exit sign in the back and this exit sign in the back and up here in the balcony. They're ready to pray for you. As you're, as you're receiving these moments from the Lord, would you also receive prayer? The Bible says there's a healing that takes place when we partner together. The Bible says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. There's a multiplication in our faith. And so today I'm gonna encourage you, step out from where you're at as we begin to worship the Lord in song and go to those stations of prayer and receive prayer right now. As, as that need is, is focused in your life, you begin to put your focus on Christ and let those elders pray for you and receive that healing touch from God today. Or maybe you need to stand in for a family member or a friend who can't be here today but needs a touch from God. Go to your elders and receive that prayer during this time of worship in song. Let's worship the King together.
My heart. 
Thank you, Jesus. I want you to take just a moment in your own way and begin to pray for a personal reviving in your life. We can't have worldwide revival or even citywide revival until we have personal revival. And revival begins with repentance where we just simply take ownership. We say, God, for the things that I've done or the ways that I've acted or the, the, the insensitivity to your, your still small voice, I take ownership over that personally. And let there be something that comes alive that reawakens inside of me first. Thank you, Jesus. Begin to ask him right now. Lord Jesus, make me alive spiritually. Wake me up spiritually. Revive me spiritually. Let it happen first in me, in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His presence is here, His Spirit is here, His power is here. He can do great and mighty things in us. But He wants to do great and mighty things through us. But He can't get through us until He gets to us. So today, just open up your heart. Open up your heart to hear and your, your spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We open ourselves up to you in vulnerability, have your way in us. Have your way in us, Lord Jesus, in our routines, in our daily activities. Have your way in us. Forgive us when we've not prioritized time with you. Forgive us when we've been insensitive to opportunities that you placed in our pathway, divine moments that we've missed. Help us to be sensitive, sensitive to your voice, sensitive to your word, sensitive in prayer, sensitive in witnessing. Jesus, we need your spirit to guide us and lead us. We can't have life if we don't have you because you are life. Lord Jesus, pour out on us. Pour out on us, Jesus. didn't hear that word it said simply to repent to call on the name of the Lord and that that those prayers the Bible says the prayer of the righteous does much good it avails much so taking a moment to just be receptive to that word and the Bible talks about prophecy the Bible talks about uh, exhortation the Bible talks specifically in 1 Corinthians about the ways that the gifts move in operation. And this is, I believe, it's decent and in order. The Bible talks about orderly worship. And this is a moment where we can just take and, and reflect on that. Just allow the Lord to, to speak to your heart and then to repent. Let's take a moment and just do that just for our, for our own uh, repentance before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we take a moment for personal repentance. We thank you that you're speaking and
God, we ask that you would do things in us that change us from the inside out. And according to the book of Romans chapter 12, I pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds that we might know what the will of God is, that good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, many of us are seeking your direction, but we're not heeding your word and your guidance. You're speaking, but some of us were just not listening. And so God, I pray you would allow us to tune in our ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And God, I pray for a sense of personal repentance that would sweep over us as your people. God, we want our nation to change, but until we change, our nation can't. It begins with us personally as believers, and then it flows out from us in and through the church, and then out of the church into the city and into the region and into the world. It touches the the hearts of people, fathers and mothers that create families, and then the children are changed. And because of those children being changed, then the school system is changed. And because of the school system being changed, then our education and college begins to change. And then once our education system changes and they go off into their careers, then they, the, the, the nations begin to change because of uh, political leaders that are godly and filled with righteousness begin to take a stand for a moral compass in this nation and a biblical guidepost that leads and guides and directs the nation's laws. And But God, we, we can't control our nation with laws. We have to control the, the, our hearts, the hearts of humans to be right with you. So God, we we come before you. You said if anyone as a nation would humble themselves and pray, seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then you would hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. And so today we desire as as a nation to heal our land. We're a very confused nation. I come against the attack on identity in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I, I have felt so deeply burdened by the attack on, uh, of the enemy on identity that you would try to break down who we are and who we've been made to be. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for fatherhood in this nation, for godly men that stand uh, on the post of the wall for their family and they pray and they seek your face and they, they function in godliness. Even though the enemy's been trying to to stop families from growing and, and being righteous, God, I thank you for godly men, godly fathers. Lord, uh, we, we, we take away the idea of, uh, and break the idea of uh, male toxicity, that we, all men are somehow toxic. No, you created men to be godly and righteous. You created us in, in our manliness to, to provide and protect those who are weak among us and to stand for those things that are righteous and godly. And so in Jesus' name, I I thank you for godly men. Lord, thank you for mothers. Thank you for women. Thank you for the ladies, not just in this house, but in our world today that are standing up for righteousness. They're Proverbs 31 women who are carrying, Lord, uh, the faith to their children. They're speaking destiny over their children for the next generation. Thank you for praying moms who are standing on the the, the threshold of heaven for their families and for their children. God, I thank you for moms in the house. 
Lord, I thank you for children that are growing up in righteous homes that understand their identity, that how they've been created is good. It's healthy. It's godly. It's appropriate. I pray that they would embrace the identity of God inside of them, who they've been made to be, that they could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But they would not put their identity in themselves, but in the Father God who created them to be who they are. Lord Jesus, I come against the spirit of confusion in this nation, and I break the back in our nation, specifically among the godly. Lord, let the godly, the elect, not be fooled by the enemy's schemes that comes to kill and steal and to destroy. Lord Jesus, I, I, I uh, speak clearly, Lord, over our educational systems from those who are uh, teaching the youngest among us all the way up to those who are teaching in our uh, collegiate levels, that they would come back to a godly authority. School systems and every university first was a Bible college released to, to fulfill the, the mandate, the mission of the church and to be trained up in godliness and righteousness. So in Jesus' name, we call forth God back in our schools in the name of Jesus Christ that we recognize and we submit to your ownership, your authority, that in Jesus' name, we are under one nation under God. We submit to you, Lord Jesus. And we're not going to try to do what we want and then try to grab your hand of blessing and try to force it to do what we want it to. We will move ourselves humbly under the hand of God and we will submit and we will be humble before you and we'll say, God, we need you. We can't live without you. Our next breath can't be taken without you. We desperately need you. We are hungry for you. We are thirsty for you. We need a move of God and it starts with us. God, we cry out to you and say, have your way in us again. Have your way in us again. And forgive us as we've allowed these subtle shifts away from your word to somehow infiltrate us. God, in the name of tolerance, Lord, we've, we've lost our moral compass. And, and God, I recognize, and I, I, as a minister of the gospel, love all people. And I, I, I care for those who are hurting and those who are confused and those who are misguided. And, and I, I come alongside those who are walking through whatever they're walking through. Without judgment for Lord Jesus, I, among all, just like Paul said, am a sinner and so so, God, I, I've been saved not by my works, but by grace. So I look with no judgment today, but I simply recognize that a, a, a disagreement because of a biblical mandate is worth standing for. So I stand not on my own two feet or in the shoes I'm wearing, but I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ on the foundation of the unchanging Word of God that does not leave us, that the grass may wither and fade, but the, and the flower may fade, but the Word of the Lord stands the test of time. Your Word has, has uh, been questioned 
for centuries and it's been put under the scrutiny of microscopes by the greatest minds in the world and yet all minds have come back. Even science has finally come around to recognizing the significance of the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God. I thank you that we don't have to worry about science. It'll catch up with the Bible eventually. For we are knowledgeable. We are, we, we're, we're not stupid. We're not uh, somehow in a backed in a corner as a believer just because we, we stand for the truth of God's word. No, we're standing on wisdom that has carried the forefathers and, and mothers for centuries down through history. And you were the one that defined all of this stuff. I'm not going to change your definition. I don't have the authority to change your definition. So God, we stand. We stand in the power of the Holy Spirit regardless of persecution. And we stand for righteousness. And standing for righteousness does not mean that we have to stand in some sort of judgment. But no, Lord, we stand in a place of humility in prayer. But prayer does not make us weak, it makes us meek, which strengthens our resolve. It doesn't make us mad or hate-filled, it makes us loving and prayerful. So in the name of Jesus, we collectively come as Dothan first and say, have your way. If you're gonna do anything anywhere for your glory, do it at Dothan first. Do it right here in us. Help us stand for what you stand for. Help us believe what you told us to believe. Help us to function in a way that doesn't, uh, Lord, like the enemy, like the serpent, questioning every single thing. We can have questions without questioning. One comes from a desire to know truth. The other is the falsehood of the enemy that tries to trick us and trap us into the lie of the first, the, the, the first question that was asked, did God really say it? Yes, yes, we know God really said it. And we have proof in your word that declares that the time, the, the time stamp was made years ago, centuries ago. Thousands of years ago, you stamped it in your blood. And you said, this is the way. Walk in it. So now, God, as, as a church father, I declare over these, your children, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will. We will. We stand on the truth of your word. And we say, we will serve you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, for the identity of the broken, oh God, help us never look in judgment over someone who's confused. God, help us. Help us, Lord. Teach us. Teach us about every interaction you had in your word. Every interaction you had with a sinner was met with love and grace. 
But those that were religious and judgmental, you had words for them too. Words of conviction. Strong words of anger. But for the righteous, for the ones who are willing to be submissive, humble, generous, loving, patient, those that would be filled with the Holy Spirit, you said be sensitive and come alongside them. Help a brother or sister who's not walking in the truth. And be careful so that you don't stumble as well. God, we recognize your spirit in this house today. We recognize the authority of your word. And we partner with you, Lord Jesus. We partner with you. I'm on your team, God. I don't care what everybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm on your side, Lord. And Lord, I, I ask that we collectively would position ourselves on your side. What, whatever your side is, Lord, we're going to stand on that side. Because your side is always truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think for a moment of receptivity toward what I just prayed, and I do feel like it was an exhortation, but also a prof some prophetic prayer. And so I'm going to invite you to be seated for just a moment. I'm going to ask for uh, my uh, uh, computer and the, the worship team. You can, you can be seated. But I feel like that this is a, a moment. And thank you guys for getting my things, my uh, notes ready. And thank you, church, for your willingness to allow me to function in the prophetic. You know, there's lots of different gifts. And Oftentimes I'll preach and sometimes I'll teach and sometimes I'll exhort, but hopefully always I'll equip because the Bible talks about that my job as a minister of the gospel and the calling that God gave me was, was a unique call, thank you so much, was a unique call. And the call wasn't simply that I show up at a church and have a nice sermon prepared, although I always want to seek the, the voice of God to hear what the Spirit is saying uh, as I prepare to to, to speak to you, thank you so much. I appreciate that. But uh, there's uh, the most important thing I can do is equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, and listen, friends, I, I know that this book, the Bible says can, it, it's, it can be a, a stumbling block. It can be offensive. Uh, hear, hear my heart in this. So the way that we stand on this word can either cut like a sword, like Peter when he cut the ear off, right, of Malchus. You remember that, right? This, the, Bible said, the Bible said about the word that it's a double-edged sword, right? So, so it can cut, but we have to be so careful. The Bible even talks about almost like a surgeon that we would go in and we'd, we'd first allow the Holy Spirit to do some surgical work on our hearts because sometimes we get so angry and so agitated about the things of the world or we get so mad at the governmental systems or the uh, political uh, ways or decision making or we get so mad at the pundits that say something uh, or, or we get so angry at uh, people that we attach, listen, we attach 
our frustration and our anger toward people rather than toward the enemy, right? The real enemy, right? The devil came to kill, steal, and to destroy. And so, so today as we talk about what I'm going to call the gray areas, I truly believe that this is going to help us find our way. How do you deal with gray areas, those things that aren't specifically talked about in the Bible? How do you deal with them, right? And, and we know there's some topics that are clear, crystal clear biblically, right? We know don't cheat, don't steal, right? Don't lie. I mean, these are all things that, that are biblical. They're part of the Ten Commandments. They're, they're ones that we remember. But what about the ones that are not so clear? How do we, if, if the Bible doesn't specifically address it, how do we manage it? How do we function in it? I mean, if the Bible doesn't explicitly say it's wrong, is it okay? And should we do it? Should we just do our own thing if the Bible doesn't clearly mark those things out? And of course the answer is no. We have to, there's a, there's a biblical guideline that, that I believe can help us make our way so we can keep on the, 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 what the Bible calls the straight and narrow pathway. Right, there's a road, a highway that leads to, to, to the things of the enemy, to, to hell itself, but there's a straight and narrow pathway that leads to righteousness, and the Bible says there are few who find it, so let's be some of the few. And some of our church backgrounds, you remember well the gray areas, because maybe you came from a church background that all they did was talk about these little gray areas, the ones that, you know, um, I don't know, you, the hair, your hair length and your dress length, and let me think of some other ones. Um, sh- you know, your makeup. Should a woman wear makeup if she really loves the Lord? How much makeup should a woman wear? I don't know. It depends on her face, I guess. I don't, I, I don't know. Churches still fight. There are some churches, not ours. <laughs> there are some churches that still fight over women wearing jewelry. Having on jewelry, like they have to take off the, the earrings before they, they walk into church, or they, they have to take off a, even a wedding ring to walk into church. Uh, look, these are things that there are some churches still in America that they take the majority of their services, instead of majoring on major things, they major on the minor things, Right? And they overlook the major things, right? Those same churches struggle with things like gossip and judgmentalism and disunity, which is one of the like top seven things that God hates, is creating and causing disunity. So how do you process these? What about some of those other issues that take center stage, you know? Uh, somebody, can you smoke? Are you allowed to? Are you allowed to smoke? And somebody jokingly says, "Well, you, you know, you can smoke, but you'll smell like you've been in hell, or whatever, you know, whatever." But, but some of the uh, the church fathers way back, Charles Spurgeon, right, as a smoker, was asked one time by Joseph Park, uh, uh, you know, how do you know if you're taking your smoking to excess? And he said, "When I sm- start smoking two at a time, right? These are like church fathers." And it does, by the way, in the Bible talk about smoking in Genesis 24. In the King James Version, it says, Rebecca lit off a camel. So, I mean, that's... mm, The children may not understand that joke, but the older ones do. John Wesley, he was against coffee and tea. 
Because, mm, Jesus, help us. <laughs> she said, now you're stepping on my toes. He was against coffee and tea. Well, if you go back in time and you understand, it was, it was primarily about addiction. Most of you know that I don't drink any Coca-Cola or any kind of uh, carbonated beverages, but it's not because God said that I can't do it, right? It wasn't, it's not like the Bible said, do, do not you know, drink those soft drinks. It, it was just, uh, that, that was a personal thing for me physically from, from my body. My, matter of fact, my brother-in-law who had uh, drank Mountain Dew for years, and he was a big Mountain Dew uh, guy, and he would drink, uh, you know, a couple or three every single day, you know, and, and uh, he, he was getting way, way, way overweight, and the first thing he stopped was the carbonated beverages, and he literally lost hundreds of pounds because he gained back his energy. It's just a very unique thing, you know? So some people, there are certain things that you ought to be aware of, but the primary focus was addiction, the concern about addiction. But how do you address all these these fringe things? Should Christians dance? If you really love the Lord, should you dance? No. I I have seen some of you dance. You have no business dancing. Let me do the dancing. You just sit on the sidelines when they do the Cuban shuffle, okay? Is it Cupid Shuffle or Cuban? Cupid? Cupid? As in the arrow, the, the angel? Really? It seems a little Cuban to me because, you know, a little dance to it. Anyway, can you go to movie theaters? <clears throat> I mean, you can watch it on VHS back in the day, but you can't show up at those big, the bigger screens. The larger, the smaller screens are just fine, Right? And primarily they said that because, you know, um, they didn't want me to see Karate Kid. And that was the main reason churches said don't go to theaters. And I am, I, my parents have learned so much about me since I've pastored because I confess something almost every Sunday that they knew nothing about. So I'm about to reveal to you that I actually snuck into Karate Kid when I was younger, into the theater I watched it as, as a young boy, and that's why I asked you for that special white robe, and I went around kicking stuff all the time. It was because of that movie. So you were right. I shouldn't have ever gone to a theater. I'm telling you. No, but <clears throat> theaters. <laughs> I mean, think about all these different things. What can you listen to? What, what music can you listen to? What style is, is, is appropriate Can I listen to country music, Pastor? Absolutely not. You should only listen to rap music. (laughs) What can I do? My daily activities. Should I have a social media account? Well, that's what I'm saying, right? There's certain reasons why I don't, even though I'm a pastor, and we have a social media account here at the church, and uh, I certainly speak into that, but these are all questions. What what should we do? What can we do? What movies should we watch? What TV shows should we watch? What can we eat? What can we drink? Can we play pool? That used to be, you know, bad back in the day. Can we play cards? Well, how about Uno? Can we roll dice? How about Yahtzee? What can we do? (laughs) <laughs> what video games can we play? What, 
what websites can we go to, right? All of these things. Well, certain shows and certain video games and certain websites are probably not beneficial. Am I right? But which ones? If it's not specifically found in Scripture, how do we decide what's right and wrong? If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'm going to read to you three passages from three chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians. First, I'm going to start reading 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Here it is. But be careful that by using your freedom, you don't somehow make a believer who is weak in faith fall into sin. Now turn to chapter 9. By the way, these are on the Version app of the notes, and they'll be on the screens as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. I'm a free man, nobody's slave, but I make myself everybody's slave in order to win as many people as possible. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. These are three chapters right in a row, verse 12. Here it is. So watch yourself. The person who doesn't say watch somebody else, doesn't say keep your eyes focused on everybody else, it says watch yourself. The person who thinks he can stand against sin had better watch that he does not fall into sin. Let's pray about these gray areas. Lord, teach us about the gray areas and how we're supposed to function as a church and as believers. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray it all. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Seven biblical guidelines for dealing with gray areas. The first one is this. It's probably the most obvious one. It's edification. Will doing this strengthen my walk with God or not? And each one of these is going to be one word, but then it's going to have a question behind it. So these are some of the questions you might want to ask yourself as it relates to some of those gray areas, whatever they may be. Edification. Will doing this strengthen my walk with God or not? And oftentimes we ask the wrong questions when it comes to our faith. We say, how far can I go and still keep my relationship with God? And that's the wrong question. The better question is this, will it help me grow in Christ? Now, I know there's some things for entertainment. You can, you know, go to, I don't know, pick something, a, a particular restaurant or a particular theme park, right? We went to Waterworld just on Wednesday. Uh, love to have fun. I think Christians should be the funnest people on the planet. I don't think they should be a bunch of sourpusses that walk around with, like they suck lemons all day long, angry, and people, you know, Knowing more about what you're against than what you're for (laughs) is probably not a good thing. But edification. Here's some of the scriptures, Romans chapter 14, verse 19. So let's try as hard as we can to do what will bring peace. Now I'm going to have you read this second portion all together. It starts with let's. You can see it on the screen. Ready? Let's do whatever will help each other grow stronger in faith, to grow stronger in faith. Is what you're doing helping you grow stronger in your faith? Is what you're doing helping others to grow stronger in their faith? Number two is excess. Excess. Will it slow me down in the race? 
The Bible talks about our relationship with God and compares it to a runner. And he says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that would be those that are in heaven already that are cheering us on to finish the race with strength. And here's what it says. It says, since we're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Everybody say everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. The word hinders literally in the Greek is on coast, which is bulk, which is weight, right? It, it'd be, you, you do away with it. Even if you train in heavy shoes or you train with, with heavy weights or you train with some special heavy jacket that, that makes you, uh, uh, you know, Endure with perseverance in the training. Once you get to the race, you don't put on combat boots to try to run a race. Otherwise, you won't be able to run as swiftly. So he's talking about running with endurance the race that's been set before us. And not just running, but winning. And then he says, lay aside those things that eat. By the way, I hear cricket legs, and I think it's somebody's... um, Uh, phone that's going off, and anybody that has cricket legs during a message while the phone is going off, it makes it sound like what I'm saying is really not good, (laughs) right? It's just kind of a funny ringtone for a uh, church. But anyway, let's keep going. Just being funny here, not throwing shade. (laughs) The Bible says, lay aside the weight, listen, and the sin. If you're more than five years old in this room, you know what your the sin is. Just saying. You've dealt with it enough times in your lifetime to know what your the sin is. And he says, lay it aside. Christians are running, uh, trying to run this Christian race with two suitcase full of of heavy stuff. And they're, they're wondering why they're running and getting tired. They're weary and not winning. And it's because you're carrying so much weight. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says it like this, you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one runner gets the prize. So run like that. Run to win. Everybody say run to win. Number three, enslavement. Will it bring me into bondage? Let me read quickly three scriptures for you. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self, our old self, our sinful self, was nailed to the cross with Christ. And, the, and so the power of sin that held us was destroyed. Sin no longer is our boss. It doesn't have to be your boss. Sin doesn't have to control you. I'm not saying the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that we'll never sin. Matter of fact, the Bible says even, if the right, even though the righteous fall, they'll get back up again. But I'm talking about this willful disobedience, this continuation of things that you sense you know God's saying to shift in your life. And for each one of us, there may be certain things that are obvious in Scripture and other things that are very personal in nature. But God says, obey His voice for you. Right? I'm not going to argue with you uh, over whether or not you're a vegan and a vegetarian or a meat eater, right? But if your, if your diet is causing you major problems, that might be a clue for you to make some adjustments, and that might be very personal. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. 
And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. Why? Why would they be worse off than before? Why? Because you know the truth now. Right? So now you feel things like guilt and shame that comes from the enemy, and and you ask questions like, could God ever love me again because I'm a big, fat hypocrite? And you say, you know what? I'm not going to show back up to church because I made these stupid decisions, and now, you know, people are going to look down on me, therefore, I I might as well just give up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, I can do anything I want to if Christ has not said no. Think about that. That's pretty good. But here's the important part. Some of these things aren't good for me. Everybody say aren't good. (laughs) Look, man, some, some stuff isn't wrong. It's just not good for you. I'm just saying. Look, I know you want me to get super spiritual up here, but if you be, eat a bunch of fat, greasy food, you're going to become a fat, greasy dude. I'm just saying. This is life. This is your life. And if you want to run, you better run to win. You don't want to be enslaved to things. It goes on to say, even if I'm allowed to do them, I'll refuse to if I think they might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. People say, well, the Bible doesn't say it, so I'll just try it, right? How many people maybe started with tobacco and and then they they were enslaved to it and they, they said, oh my gosh, I would love to quit, but I can't, right? But if you don't start, you don't have to worry about stopping. Whether it's gambling or, or alcohol or whatever it might be, think about those that, you know, started off with a few slot machines and, and now they're, they're putting all their money from second mortgaging their house, all this stuff. It's enslavement. It's, it happens gradually and over time, sometimes almost imperceptibly, right? But then they become addicted to it because of their liberty and freedom to do it. People that are obsessed, so obsessed with movies, TVs, internet, social media, whatever, that they put a priority on it. I don't know if I'll have time to read the word because I got to update my my status on social media. I don't know if I'm going to have time to pray today, talk to God today, because I got to update my status on social media and talk to all these friends who don't even know who I really am, right? So they'll like my stuff, but does God like your stuff? I'm just asking, does God like your stuff? Do you give him anything to like? Are you enslaved to it? Go ahead and set aside the rerun of Golden Girls just for a few more minutes so you can talk to God about the streets of gold that he's going to, right? I mean, are you following this? I got to hit every demographic. Okay, here we go. I'm about to talk about something that I don't want to talk about, but I am anyway because I've been talking about a whole bunch of stuff that's toe-stepping today. So I might as well just dive right into my own personal sports God help us. Be careful, Mark, what you're about to say. For you love sports and you enjoy them and you like watching them. How many know you can become addicted to it? To the point where Sunday is, a, is the Sabbath day of rest is just secondary to the sports. And we pass that on to, to our kids generationally. Right? 
addicted to it, a slave to it. Got to watch it. Can't miss it. And you will lose your mind and your blood pressure. Think about this. You'll put your own life at risk to watch a ball game. And I, I, look, there's been times I know the refs in the SEC. And I know what the right call was because I watched it in super, super duper slow motion, freeze frame, every angle that that ref didn't have but one second to make that call. And he was wrong and I was right and I knew it. And I talked to that TV like he was standing right in front of me. Come on, somebody. Think about this. Think about what we're passing down in our priority to our children. And look, as I said, I grew up playing sports. I love, I enjoy watching it and I I still enjoy playing them. But I'm just saying, think about what you pass down to your kids. You're gonna let a coach run your whole family's schedule as it relates to the priority of worship in the house of God. You don't even think that coach is good enough to coach your child because every time that coach makes a decision to not play your child, they're not a good coach. They're not good decision-making because they should have called a timeout when they, they let the players continue to play. You can't even trust that coach to make the right call about your kid, and yet you're allowing that coach to determine your entire family's dedication to the house of God. Man, I'm getting in so much trouble today. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it because I want to talk about these things. They're worthy of discussion. Our commitments, our priorities that we pass on to our kids, are, they, are we bringing our own families into bondage over certain things? Evangelism, let's talk about it. Number four, will it lead others to Christ? This is a great question. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making, listen to this, the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. What he's saying is, be careful, watch out. People are watching you. Are they gonna see a difference in your life? Are you hindering the sharing of the gospel? Listen, I've learned, don't go to movies just because somebody said it was a good one. I have learned. Matter of fact, I learned the hard way one time because I I heard from so-and-so that this movie was really great and then I, this wasn't here by the way. (laughs) This was years ago and and showed up and and, uh, I walked out of the movie and fortunately, I I walked out of the movie uh, because it, it had some things that were completely inappropriate for me to see. And, and so I, I happened to walk out. And as I'm walking out, somebody's getting popcorn to go to a different movie. And hey, Pastor Mark, what's up? Uh, what's up is right. And so I, I used to go on something called screenit.com. And I know there's a lot of now uh, parent-friendly type things. But I, I'll read through it before I go to a theater just because of that. Like, I'm just not going to trust anybody else with my own morality. It's something personal, and it's something biblical, and it, it can affect others. Number five, emulation. Is it Christ-like? 
Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Is something that you're doing what Jesus would do? Is something you say what Jesus would say? Is the place you're going where Jesus would go? The three scriptures I've got here, Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to read them all in order here. Galatians 3, 27. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ. Everybody say the character of Christ. Like putting on new clothes. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. We will lovingly follow the truth at all times. Lovingly following the truth. Did you hear that? Let's, let's stop. I just prayed about a whole lot of stuff. It's been very frustrating in our nation. Lovingly following the truth. Lovingly following the truth. Lovingly following the truth. Speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. And so become more and more in every way, what? Like Christ. You're a Christian, a Christian, <laughs> like Christ, which is what that means. Act like it. 1 John 2, 6 says it like this. Anyone who says he's a Christian should live as Christ did. Are you living as he did? If you belong to Christ. Number six. Number six. Will my example help or hurt other Christians? Or others in general? My example, will it cause others to stumble or fall into sin if they follow my lead? Maybe I could avoid the temptation, but what about them? 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, here it is. Your very lives are a letter. Everybody say a letter. And other translations say an epistle or an open book that can be read just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. Friends, like it or not, people are watching you or following you on social media right? This concept of liberty when it comes to biblical authority is really interesting because we do have liberty in Christ. He whom the Son is set free is free indeed. We're free, right? In this nation, we call ourselves a free nation. I, sometimes I take question about those freedoms, but, but we're a free nation in many ways. Greatest nation in the world, in my opinion. I'm proud of it. Love to be uh, an American, love to be United States citizen. And those of you that don't like it, you can go somewhere else because I promise you, you won't find anything better. And if you do, you can stay and support that nation. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just a little too much smirk. You can feel me just a little. <laughs> But this concept of liberty in Christ versus responsibility, right? Freedom doesn't mean you can live how you want. Duh. Freedom is to live how you should. That's why the laws are there to be a guard post, a, 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 a restrictive benefit, if I can say it like that, so that anarchy doesn't rule our nation and everybody kills everybody, which is what happens in a lot of nations. We have a responsibility to others. The Bible talks about this. Uh, I believe it's the Apostle Paul that, uh, and Jesus, Jesus said this specifically. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I think, alludes to it, but Jesus said it specifically. He said, don't, 
don't do anything that causes my little ones, these, these younger ones, to stumble. And, and it sounds like a real nice thing, like don't let the little ones stumble. You don't want to let them fall into sin. You got to be good around those kiddos, you know what I mean? And then he follows it up by saying, and if you do, it would be better for you if there was a millstone tied around your neck and you were thrown in the depths of the sea. <laughs> How about that? That'll make you stand back and question if you're going to do something, especially in front of the, one of these little ones. Number seven is exaltation. Will this glorify God? Worship team, if you come as we prepare to close. First Corinthians chapters 8 through 10, which is primarily what I've been talking about, uh, talks about the topic of liberty and our rights, right? What we can do, what we can't do. And Paul says, even in areas of diet, he restricted himself. He was talking primarily about meat sacrificed to idols, but you could put that into any category you want. That just happened to be the issue back in that day in that culture. Meat was being sacrificed to idols, and it wasn't like they had Publix grocery store or some other grocery store around the corner where they could just go buy meat anywhere they want. They had to buy it in the marketplace, and when they bought it in the marketplace, some of those who had uh, slaughtered that meat slaughtered it specifically to worship other gods. And so it was causing conflict about all this. And the Apostle Paul, he says this in chapter 8, verse 1 in 1 Corinthians. It says, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. So he starts there. He's like, look, we're not a bunch of idiots. We're not just a bunch of Torah-thumping idiots. We're smart. You're a smart group of people. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be reminded that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. How many of you know some of the biggest jerks <laughs> can be biblical intellectuals? Just saying. They're not functioning in the fruit of the Spirit. I remember as a teenager, I knew everything. There wasn't anything I did not know. Oh, to be a teenager again, living in my na naivete, where I could know everything so much more than my parents could ever know in a lifetime. And if they could just get with the program. Come on, teenager. You remember that? You remember when you were a teenager? Right? The problem is you don't know what you don't know. And gaining knowledge means you realize how much you don't know. And the Apostle Paul goes on and says it like this in verse 8 or verse 8 of chapter 8, but food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. So he starts with that premise. He's like, look, you guys have liberty and freedom. You want a Big Mac? Get yourself a Big Mac. You want a steak? Go get yourself a steak. But then he says this, verse 9, be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom doesn't become a stumbling block to the weak. Say, Mark, what if I'm a steak lover? The Apostle Paul might very well have been a steak lover because this is what he said. He said, I love God so much that I'm going to intentionally restrict myself for the purpose of others. Here's what he says in verse 13. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I'll never eat meat again so that I'll not call, cause him to fall. In essence, before I hurt my brother spiritually, I'll give up my own rights. Personal holiness and righteousness, listen, goes a lot farther than just do's and don'ts. 
It's really not a laundry list. Otherwise, I just put a laundry list of all the movies, the music, the TV shows, the internet websites. I put a big old list out front. I tack it on like the 95 thesis, and I just say, as long as you avoid this, if you don't do this and do, but you know what? That makes you a bunch of robots and doesn't give you the opportunity for Holy Spirit discernment, which is biblical in the life of a believer. Every one of you has, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. And it's not just to give you the heebie-jeebies, the holy heebie-jeebies, right? It's to fill you with power and discernment. He's your guide. And it's more than just your conscience. It's your moral compass. I've seen relationship struggles over non-biblical issues because they put all the emphasis on what the letter of the law said but missed the heart of the law. Are you following this? For Paul, the whole argument comes down to the end of chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Is it exalting Christ? Is it lifting him up? Let me quickly read to you a continuation of that thought in 1 Corinthians 13. It's a recurring theme about love, and it says this. If I, if I speak of the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames. How many of you know that's a pretty big deal? Giving everything you have away and becoming a martyr. I would say that like puts you in the hall of faith. He says, if I did all that, but have not love, I gain nothing. You have to love what God loves, hate what God hates. If you love God, you love what he loves. If you said to me, if you came up after service, you're like, hey, Mark, you want, I just, I, I, I got to tell you this. <laughs> I really love you, man. You are just awesome. I love you so much. I hate your wife and kids, though, but I love you, man. I really love you. But uh, if I could just take a moment and quote Bugs Bunny for a moment, he don't know me very well, do he? <laughs> right? How many of you know you're not making yourself a friend of mine when you hate what I love? When you matter of fact, when you love what I love, I'd rather you love what I love more than you love me because when you love what I love, you're showing me how much you love me. Does that make sense? When you show your love to my kids or show your love to my wife, man, that speaks volumes to me. That blesses my heart. That blesses my soul. In so many ways, I'd rather you give them a gift than give me a gift because when you give them a gift, you're actually giving me a gift vicariously. And so it is with the God, the God of the universe who loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. To love the things that he loves. Do your rights to do something outweigh your love for a brother or sister in Christ? And do you think God's fine with that? 1 Corinthians 10 says this in verse 12 through 13. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall no temptation has seized you except what is common to human beings or to man, specifically mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out 
so you can stand up under it. First of all, God's faithful. Just stop right there. God, how many know God's faithful? How many thank God that God is faithful? The other thing is you need to understand every temptation you're dealing with, it's common. You're not so special. Everybody gets tempted. Temptation is not sin. Think about this. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. But temptation is a pathway. It's a stair step, right? He's like, you're, you're walking up this hallway. Imagine you're walking up this hallway and there's steps up to the sin. And sin, the Bible says, it's like there's a doorway at the top of the steps, right? You're walking up this hallway, up the steps, there's a door at the top. And the Bible says that there's sin is crouching at the door, ready to devour you, the Bible says, right? So you don't want to open that door, but you're, you're stepping up the steps. And every step you take is a step of temptation. You know, you take a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And finally, you get to that door and you put your hand on the door and you're about ready to let sin enter your life and devour you eventually because it's fun for a season <laughs> until problems exist and the, the weight of that sin jumps on you. But you have your hand at the door and you haven't opened it yet and all of a sudden you notice, look over here <laughs> in this hallway, there's this window and it says fire escape. <laughs> there's a ladder that goes down. For every temptation, there is a way of escape. As you got your hand at the door, and some of you, you may have your hand at the door, you may have let the door open. But you got your hand at the door, and God says, turn, just turn to the other side. Look, there's a window of escape. It's waiting on you. The door is open. Jesus is beckoning you. The Holy Spirit is guiding you. And it's a fire escape. It's a way of escape for you. So my question to you today, before you gradually move toward that temptation and justify it, rationalize it, and realize too late how far you've gone? Do you need to stop and see the fire escape? And the second question is, do we need to repent of selfishness? I understand we're free in this nation and we're free in Christ. But to, to what degree has our selfishness caused others to go astray. They'll know that we're Christians if we have love for one another. Let's pray over that. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're giving us the faith, the courage, and the selflessness to live like you want us to live, to live like you lived, Jesus, when you were on this earth. And we've already prayed a prayer of salvation, but just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. If you'd say, Mark, honestly, I've been living for myself. And that little bit of selfishness, maybe as a believer, as a Christian, you love Jesus, you've already made your decision for Christ, all those things, they're great. But maybe you've allowed yourself to become a little self-absorbed. And out of that, maybe you've posted things on social media that you shouldn't have that were pretty hateful or rude, or obnoxious, or maybe you've treated others with disrespect, or, or maybe you've caused others to stumble and fall without even realizing it because people are watching your life, and because of your freedom, you're causing others to stumble. And if that's you in this room, all these believers in this room, godly, wonderful, awesome people of faith, if you'd say, Mark, that's me, I, I want to be included in this final prayer to just simply repent of my selfishness and to make sure that I follow the things of God. If that's you, 
I want you to do this. Would you just simply raise up your hand while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and say, Mark, I'm just going to include myself in this prayer right now. All over this place. Yeah, God bless you. So many. So many. All of us are guilty at one point or another being a little selfish in our approach because of our freedom. So Lord Jesus, you've seen all the hands that are lifted around this place. And we do repent of our selfishness and we thank you for your goodness. And Lord Jesus, I I ask that you will infuse us with spirit sensitivity that we might know what you're calling us to do and to become. And help us to not get confused in our freedom and in our liberty to overlook our responsibility. I thank you for the rights and privileges of being your child. And I ask that I might walk in a manner worthy of being called your child to represent you well, to be called a Christian, a Christian. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you live a life worthy of the calling that he's called you to. I bless you to be a blessing to your family, in your marriage, to your spouse to your children, to your grandchildren, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. I bless you to be a blessing to our city, to our neighbors and those around us. I bless you to be a blessing to this world. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray it all. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, I love you so much. So thankful to God for the goodness of his word that teaches and guides and leads us. And for those that are first-time guests, I'm going to invite you to simply, after the service, to connect with us and take that connection card to the tabletops in the back in the foyer, and we'll have some of our leadership team ready to greet you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. And those that are first-time guests, uh, that I pray you have a chance to come back. We love, love, love the opportunity to connect with you further, but specifically for those who are first-time believers. If you're a first-time believer in the house, please let us know about that. Use that connection card. Let us know if you want to be baptized. Let us know if you need to know more about the things of God. We'd be so honored to partner with you in your journey of faith. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you either this Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.